DEI budgets are under attack, but the goals haven't changed. Whether you're looking to increase your DEI knowledge, expand your market reach, or gain a competitive advantage in business, we have the solution. TDM Library is your single source for expert curated DEI resources, strategies, and solutions, all designed to help you transform your workplace culture and be a more effective contributor. For $9.99 per month, you get access to our searchable subscription-based digital library. There, you'll find articles, practical how-to guidebooks, podcasts, award-winning micro-videos, and more than 700 Q&As designed to help DEI practitioners, thought leaders, and executives create a more inclusive workplace. Whether you prefer to listen, watch, or read, we have the resources for you. TDM Library goes beyond the basics to dive deep into topics such as inclusive language, the business case for DEI, talent acquisition, and C-suite engagement. For less than the price of a sandwich, you get access to our library of more than a thousand pieces of original expert curated DEI content. Join today and get your first 30 days free. Get your library card now at tdmlibrary.thediversitymovement.com. Welcome to the Donald Thompson Podcast. I'm so excited for this episode where I have a chance to talk to three amazing people that were all featured in Raleigh Magazine's article, 40 and Fearless. From the call for nominations, these people stood out and I have the, the blessing, if you will, of not only knowing them, but having them be a part of different businesses, uh, both as friends and professionals. And so what I'd like to do is welcome Mike Anelli, Shelly Willingham, and Jackie Ferguson. Welcome you all to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, what we're going to do just to kind of kick things off so that everyone talks as friends is, and Mike, I'm going to start with you. So I'll give a couple comments and then I'll, I'll let you lead off and, and then Jackie will go to you and then Shelly. Just talk a little bit about you as an individual. Kids, family, brothers, where are you from? Right. People want to know a little bit more about you. And then we'll talk about some of the things that make you fearless, some of the things in, in business that you're working on. But Mike, why don't you take it away and, and introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, well, Mike Ionelli, as you mentioned, Don, and I am a co-founder of a company called Abler. Abler is a full-service disability inclusion and digital accessibility company located here in the Triangle. We have been around for two years now, which is uh, absolutely amazing when I think about it. I still have to pinch myself. We have an amazing team of people that care a great deal about equality, inclusion. We're a blend of a tech company and, and a hybrid company in terms of the way we do our, our testing. 70% of our company is employed with people with disabilities, professionals with disabilities, which is really cool. So it's an absolute honor to be part of this company. I'm a dad of three kids, teenage kids, which is, uh, can't curse on this show, but uh, very difficult. I'm enjoying this this time in my life. I'll, I'll tell just a funny, I was on a flight last week and, and Don, you know this, I, before you and I met, I lived on an airplane for four years and coming back, I... <laughs> I got the jitters a little bit. Like it was a really bumpy ride. And I was like, I think I'm afraid of flying all of a sudden. Like what is going on? I, I've, I've flown all the time. And I got home and I started researching, is it possible to have a fear of flying later on in life? And and everything I'm seeing is it's it's because there's a gratitude in your life and you're realizing for the first time 
how much life means to you, how important life is to you. And there's so much, so much more I want to live and do and see and experience and, and help. And so I think that sums it up really nicely is that maybe I'm finally hitting my stride as a human being and I'm beyond, I'm beyond grateful for that. So I just thought that was unique that now I'm, now I have a fear of flying because I enjoy my life, which is, which is amazing in some ways, but it's not going to help with the fear of flying, but we'll see. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Jackie, would you take a minute and introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks, Don. I'm Jackie Ferguson. I am the co-founder and head of uh, content and programming for the diversity movement. I'm from Wappingers Falls, New York, which is about an hour above New York City and grew up in a small town. I love small towns, enjoyed living in New York City for a little while after college, but I'm a small town girl and I like my habits and so I found myself in North Carolina. I'm a wife, a mom, a daughter, a sister, and I take those roles very seriously in my life. And, and they're a, a responsibility and a privilege. I started my career in, in the background, right? Supporting executives and, you know, doing some marketing, but everything in the background. So in stepping into my role with the diversity movement, I've had to step out in front, which has been slightly terrifying, <laughs> actually, for me. But, you know, I am consistently reminded of why I do what I do from, you know, my family and and my obligations there and wanting to, you know, provide for my family and, and reach my goals, but also more broadly for the world and, and what my voice could mean to people that are like me, look like me, that that don't, but I am an ally for, and that's super important to me. Um, I like to cook. That's what I do on my downtime. That's my hobby, and um, I like to travel, but obviously that's on hold. Mike, I hope that I don't have that when I jump back on planes here <laughs> soon, so <laughs> that fear of flying. Yeah, I'm just in, enjoying what I'm doing with the diversity movement and and really living outside of my comfort zone now. I guess that's about it. Thanks, Don. Good. Shelly? Hi, I'm Shelly Willingham. I um, met Don, Jackie, and Mike in 2020 when um, I joined the diversity movement. I'm the vice president of, of business strategy there. I also have a digital marketing company. I am from Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. I went to UNC Chapel Hill. I'm a very obnoxious, obnoxious Carolina fan. Go Heels. Yes, go Heels. Um, I moved to Chicago after college several years and where I started my sales career. Loved corporate sales, but started looking at all the money I was making for all these companies I was working for and said, I, I can do this for myself. And so um, I actually moved back to North Carolina and started my first business. And started in the diversity space in the early 2000s, started a business that got me in Fortune magazine and had 15 employees and we were really doing some amazing work. And then in 2007, market kind of tanked, 2008, diversity was no longer an issue in America because we had a black president. So companies started to cut diversity budgets. As a consequence of those two things colliding, I lost everything that I owned and had to figure out how to rebuild my life from absolutely nothing. And so kind of fast forward to, to doing that and getting to August 2020, and we're sitting around watching what happened to George Floyd. And I had to ask myself what was going to be my role in this movement. 
And at the time I had rebuilt my uh, business and kind of doing my own thing. And then Don, if any, everybody that's listening knows Don, had me thinking we were going to partner on some things, but actually actually joined the company um, and decided to kind of put my business on hold because I knew that at this time, in this moment, what I could do to help try to affect change. And so very excited to be a part of this team. I'm a mom of two. I have a 18-year-old son and a 10-year-old daughter. You know, my goal in life is just to maintain my peace and to do things that set my soul on fire. And diversity, equity, and inclusion is one of those topics that does that for me. Wow. Thank you all for being here. And those introductions were fantastic, both in terms of you as individuals, but part of that that motivational piece. Mike, I'm going to start out with you on, on this question. You were named 40 and Fearless. What does that mean to you? Right? What is that? It's a great to be recognized. It's great to be uh, awarded and, and people to appreciate your journey and what you've done. And, and that makes sense. What is What did this recognition award, what did it mean to Mike Ionel? Well, you know, honestly, I'm just an honest guy. I, I didn't feel like I was um, worthy of it <clears throat> to be, to be, but I was honored to be recognized. And I think that is to be recognized by your peers is incredibly flattering and humbling. And it was a shock to me. It's funny when I, when I got it, I thought it was a joke. I said to John, I said, did you get one of these things? I said, I always get these things about, you know, awards. And I'm like, you know, being in a digital advertising environment, you're always asked to do awards. And, and there's always something, there's always a catch. And he goes, I said, I'm going to delete it. And he's like, no, 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 don't delete it. So it was great. I mean, it's an, it's an honor. I mean, I am hopeful that this no matter how big or small it is, is brings awareness to what we're doing as a company, because that is really, I mean, that is really what it's all about. I mean, the people on this call here are trying to do something special to change the world. And regardless of where we're from or what our backgrounds were, we're here today and we're trying to make a difference in the lives of, of people. And that is, you know, something I've always dreamt of is doing something professionally every day where you, you actually have an income, you can get paid. But you also leave work knowing that you're you're doing something that really matters. You're helping people become included, to become just normalized, like we all are. And it's that's the greatest honor in the world for me. And so what I've been doing with Abler is, and I will say this today, it's the greatest uh, professional experience journey of my entire existence, and one that I don't take for granted, and one that I'm incredibly grateful for. No, that's powerful. And I think, you know, when I think about you all and the recognition and, and some of the things that I know, the word that comes to mind, right, is overcomers. And that's because I know some of the backstory. I know some of the things that you all have had to push through. Whereas a lot of times now, when you start to see your name in lights a little bit, people see the designation of all of your successes, not necessarily the roadblocks you had to overcome. And mm -hmm. so Jack, I'll turn it to you and would love to hear what 40 and Fearless means to you and, and some examples of things that, that you pushed through. Well, thanks, Don. It's an interesting name for an award because I'm I'm I don't consider myself fearless. I I am described <laughs> myself earlier as slightly terrified, right? Which is, which is super true. Being in the background for my entire career and putting other making sure other people are ready for the spotlight, right, has been my my goal. And doing that well has been extremely important to me. And I remember the first podcast that I ever did, I was literally, I couldn't breathe. And my 
daughter, I was literally losing my breath on a podcast with someone that I knew. But something about like that record button threw me way off. And I literally lost my breath on the call. And my daughter wrote me a little handwritten note that says, you know, don't worry, mommy, you've got this. Just breathe. And I keep that with me for every speaking engagement. It's significantly better now. But for me, I had to stay focused on the things that that mattered that were more important than my fear. Mm. And so for me, those things are my mom and my, my family and, and the people, you know, on whose shoulders I stand and that, that have sacrificed for me to be able to do anything that I want. And, and certainly my daughter and the people that are benefited by what I have to say, um, which I'm extremely thankful for, but you know, I still get nervous in speaking engagements and I still get nervous in podcasts and I still, you know, keep that note with me when, when there's more than, you know, 30 people (laughs) on a speaking engagement. But I think that sometimes what's important is not to expect to not have that fear, but to be courageous enough to push through it towards what you're trying to accomplish or towards your why. And that's, that's what I do every day in the, the situations where I'm uncomfortable and, and afraid. And, you know, those are, are real emotions. And I think that sometimes that can hinder people from finding their true purpose because it's scary and, and people like to be in their comfort zone, but it's, it's beyond your comfort zone that, that you really find what you're meant to do in the world and and that sometimes you can find your, your true and pure selves. Awesome. I mean, obviously I don't have anything to add to that. That's your story. That's your perspective, but I have a comment and it's because I have background information. So you mentioned podcasts with 30 people, which is kind of humble. Um, that's maybe where it started, but when you think of the privilege walks and things you do, webinars that you do, what are, what are the most number of people that you presented to digitally lately? What's the biggest crowd, so to speak? the audience. 800. So from someone that was terrified to do a podcast with a friend to now speaking to close to a thousand people is pretty significant. And so I, I wanted to say that out as, as we, as we move forward, that's really, really awesome. Kelly, you. you have had a significant career, uh, chief marketing officer, university, enterprise sales, self-employed, running your own business. CNBC. That's one of the things as I was researching, partnering with you, I did my homework and just a lot of different things that you've done. What are some of the things that allowed you to say, wait a minute, I want to be a part of a team now and see if I could do something even bigger, even though you were doing a lot of things successfully, more individually out in front, but you've incorporated that talent into a team vision. I'm interested why and and also expand on any of the fears that you've pushed through and overcome, but just take some space. One of the things that when you lose everything, you're free to do anything. And that's really kind of been my mantra after having lost everything. And I never want to put myself in a situation where I miss an opportunity. So I've always been a risk taker. That's just my mother always says, why are you so driven? But I've always been a risk taker. And so when you talk to me about the opportunity, again, it was at a moment in time when this movement was was really starting. And I looked at the team, the people that you'd assembled, 
I looked at you and what you've done and what the goal was. And I knew that I needed to be a part of that. So my goals for my life personally and even professionally never shifted. I remain open to possibilities. And I think, again, kind of going back to when you lose everything, you're free to do anything. That's how I try to approach opportunities that come my way. This has been an amazing experience working with the diversity movement. I'm super excited about what we're doing and where we're headed. And I think about being, being fearless. When I was going through all the things that I was going through, I never thought about it like that. I was just trying to survive each day trying to be strong for myself and for my children and figure out, okay, how are we going to eat <laughs> this week? What are we going to do? When I think about, you know, fearless, it, I think a lot of people that go through challenging situations at the time aren't thinking about, oh gosh, I'm so strong. It really is just taking it step by step to push through just to get to the next day. At least that's how it was for me. What I do find interesting is that when I do tell my story, there's so many people that will reach out to me because they're afraid they're afraid of telling their story. I've been there. I, I was held hostage by my story. I was ashamed. I'm like, this is not supposed to be happening to me. I'm not supposed to be going to social services to get, I mean, me, I'm a college graduate. I have a map, me. And I was held hostage by this story. But when I opened up and shared it, it did set me free and it gave people that are, that are in bondage right now that are trying to uphold some value of or looks a certain way to a certain group because of their social background or their friends and their family. And they're miserable or hurting inside because they don't feel free to really tell, tell what's really going on. That's, that's powerful to me. So I, I'm glad that I overcame that fear of sharing what's happened in my life because I'm hoping that that helps to set other people free as they go through their journey. That's powerful. I think the thread through all of you is that the professional success that people see outwardly, right? I had the opportunity to see some of the overcoming and then through the sharing, right, of stories and different things. The one thing I'll just add, right, we all have the ability to inspire others. And it's not always through that powerful, eloquent speech, but it's by winning each day. It's the simple things that we do that allow other people to see themselves in us. And we bear that responsibility and you all carry that torch beautifully. And it's one of the reasons that I respect you all because there are a lot of people out there today with the pandemic and the way the economy has shifted and changed. And although there's the great resignation and all these jobs available, I'll tell it, I'll, I'll do this briefly, but this broke my heart a little bit and I have to express it, right? I was doing a speaking engagement at American Underground in Durham, North Carolina. And so uh, the influence team did great. I was running late as usual. So they grabbed somebody to park my car for me. I run into the thing and, and do this podcast and they made me look like it was super smooth, right? All this stuff. But on the way out, in fact, I was talking to Mike. I don't know if you remember this, but I, I, I went out of the garage and I was like, oh crap, Mike, I gotta call you back. Because even though I have all these beeps and gadgets on my car, I backed into another car in this garage because the cars were kind of tight. And I'm like, okay, this is like an honesty moment. I was like, look, nothing's there, right? Do you leave a note or do you just like keep it moving or whatever? But I backed in this car. I said, Mike, I got to call you back. And so I'm looking for some paper. I'm going to leave a note in case there's an issue or whatever. And it was this older truck. And... Two people lifted their head out of the truck. It was not a hanky-panky thing. They were sleeping in this truck. 
And I walked towards the truck and I was like, hey, is there any damage? Let me take care of it. Do we need to call anybody? They looked. They're like, no, we're all good. And then I just looked because I saw sleeping bags and different things. And the man kind of felt like he needed to give me an explanation. Do you know that? Like when somebody sees you at a point, right? And he said, the pandemic's been tough. And I, I just said, well, let me pay you for the damages. He said, there's no damage. I said, there's some damage, right? And we are pushing through our thing, but there are so many folks that have been impacted by the last several years of this mm -hmm. world that just need somebody to give them that little bit of encouragement to keep pushing. That's just one example I saw. You all could give, give many, but success does give people hope when you see someone that looks like you, has a background like you, has a perspective like mm -hmm. you. And, and that's so powerful that you all have, have done. Jackie, I'm going to go to you on a question. Mike, I'm going to come back to you. Um, and so, Jackie, here's what I would like to. You mentioned something that was powerful. You mentioned you were terrified. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, and not fearless. Like the statement you made, but I want you to unpack it a little bit, is when you figure out things that matter more than your fear. Right. Mm. It's a powerful way that you said it. I'm not trying to add to that. How do you do that in those everyday situations when that fear is trying to grip you, right? That's what I want to try to get out to our audience. Like, what do you, what do you think? What do you write? What do you do so that you keep pushing through, right? Because the fear is real. It's not going away, as you described, but you're keeping it at bay. What are some of the things that you would advise our, our folks that are listening? The, the most important thing, Don, that I did was I never stopped saying yes. Keep saying yes to the things that you're afraid of. And then from there, for me, it helps to be sometimes over-prepared, right? Really prepared. That helps me be as comfortable as I can be. And then give yourself space to feel what you feel and to also recover from what you feel. So when I did my very first speaking engagement, it was for the Raleigh Chamber, and that was the first virtual privilege walk. And so there were probably 600 people on that on that call, which is a hell of a way to introduce you to the world of speaking, right? <laughs> so I was up the night before I couldn't sleep for probably 3 days, um which I've I've managed to whittle down to like 30 minutes before now. But I couldn't sleep for like 3 days and I know Shelly's thinking cuz she speaks all the time into bigger audiences and so I know she's thinking like, wow. <laughs> but, so it was like three days. I couldn't sleep um, over preparing, preparing, preparing. And then I was really useless for the rest of the day because that I was so amped up from the, from the fear. But the more I said yes, the easier it became. And I still, depending on who the, the client is or how big the group is, I still get nervous. But it's it's not the same level of, of terror <laughs> yeah. that it, it was when I first started. So my advice there is just keep saying yes, because every time I would say yes, I would think about who it helps. And I would think about my daughter being proud or my mother being proud or my husband being proud. And that matters to me. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Appreciate that very, very much. I'm happy for you, Jackie. Yeah, it's big stuff for all of, all of you, what you are doing and will do. Not just what you're doing. Like the thing about this podcast, 
one of the reasons I wanted to do it selfishly is I want to put a stamp when you were recognized for the imperialist and then I, we'll, we'll do a look back in a couple of years because what you all will do, uh, the best is yet to come. And that to me is exciting to be able to just kind of watch that and see that and, and cheer for that. Mike, I'm going to give you some space. I don't want to assume that everyone has heard of Abler. I don't want to assume that everyone understands what invisible disabilities are and things of that nature. So I'd like for you to take a moment and describe what Abler is, what you all do in the space of uh, disability inclusion. So I want to give you some space to, to describe that a little bit. So a lot of folks don't know that there are over 2 billion people worldwide that have a disability. And I will tell you, I'm probably the first to, to tell you every day, when you think about the internet today and you think about websites and social media and mobile applications and games and anything digital, the ADA, which is Americans with Disabilities Act, was formed many years ago. And it was, it was created to help in, individuals with disabilities, physical spaces, curb height, parking, you know, standard, you know, baseboard height, everything like that. But it wasn't, it did not include digital. And, and so they remodified it about 13 years ago, I believe 13, maybe 18. And it's disheartening to see how many people are affected by this and by the exclusion. You know, I've built hundreds of websites in my day, and I have never, ever thought about this in my life. Never. Never thought about ADA, never thought about accessibility or worldwide content accessibility guidelines or making sure that our content was accessible everybody for everyone. And oftentimes it was sort of a, it was selfish. It was a cost thing. It was like, well, I hear this today and it, it drives me nuts. Well, we don't have anybody that's blind that buys our product. <laughs> and I, it's very difficult to hear those things. But, and that's really, that's the staple of our issue in our country. I mean, you think about it, it's, it's, we're just so selfish. And oftentimes we don't have enough time because we're so always context switching. We don't have enough time to think about other people. I'm getting off the tangent a little bit here, but I, I think what the, the purpose is, is what we do is we ensure that all content uh, for everyone is accessible. So whether you have a cognitive impairment, which could be dyslexia, you have auditory, where you have uh, challenges hearing, or visual impairments, or even physical impairments, that that anyone can access the same content that we do every day. So they can navigate, they can purchase, they can sign up for online banking, uh, they can purchase a home, they can buy a car, they can go online and, and shop. Just the standard things that you and I take for granted every day, that is so hard, overly difficult for people with disabilities, overly difficult. Just getting a ride sometimes is difficult. So. Um, for me, you know, I've, as you all know that I've always, I'm a little outspoken <laughs> to say the least, but for years, I've always wondered like, what, 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 what is my purpose and mission? Right. I, I still don't, I think I know now, but is to, is to, if I can do anything is to bring a voice, a strong voice to, to this community to help make a difference that honestly, like if that's all I do in my career, then that would, that will be enough for me because the stories that I hear on a daily basis about what this community goes through is it's, it's absolutely disheartening and it's very, very difficult to hear, but that's making me feel good every day because we're making these changes and it's not just Abler. There are companies all over the country that are doing this and there's these amazing applications out there that help people every day. So it's just, it's honest, it's just amazing being part of it. But we, 
We love what we do. We're giving people opportunity to work, which is fantastic. We're helping companies become more diverse, similar to what you all are doing in preparing their, their companies and cultural diversity and to em, em, embrace individuals with disabilities. And then we're helping organizations become prepared so they're not missing out on customers, right? If you think about, you know, one in nine have a cognitive impairment, but there's 10 million people in the U.S. and it's growing every day with the elderly community uh, with eyeglasses. People, I mean, I'm struggling. I can barely see sometimes. And so it impacts my user experience. So yeah, we've created this little idea thing, which is DEI plus A, but we've spun it around a little bit to include accessibility. So we're um, we're honored to be part of this entire movement and um, we're doing some great things. And I think this is just the beginning. That is awesome. I appreciate it very much. I can talk to you all all day and hear your story and hear your wisdom. Shelly, I'm going to start with you as we kind of wind, wind down. Um, two parts. One is what advice would you give to somebody that's in their career, in their life, that's feeling unfulfilled, unsettled, to help them unpack how they can push and find that thing that's next? And then I want to give you space, just anything that maybe you want to share that I didn't give the space and ask. I would say to look at how you define success. Because, you know, so many people define success by material things and how much money you have in the bank. And I used to define success by that. But what I learned was none of those things made me successful. And what I had the opportunity to do, again, losing everything, was really build and shape the life the way that I wanted to. And so if you're in a situation now that's not fulfilling, you might be making a ton of money. You might have the title, you might have the house, you might have the car, but if you're not happy, really sit down and figure out what, how you would define success and what that looks like, and then do everything in your power to go after it. And I would just say to, to Jackie's point, she mentioned about preparing and she said that I would, you know, I'm looking at her like, I can't believe you do that. That's not the case at all. I do the same thing. And before I go on, especially any TV appearance, if you could see me shaking, nervous, I'm like, why do I even accept these off? Why am I doing this to myself? This is me talking to myself. And immediately after, I'm calling my parents. How did I do? How did I do? So you're always <laughs> going to be afraid. You don't see it, Shelly. Because they don't give you questions beforehand. I mean, it's all these things, right? So, But you're always going to be afraid. But I know if I'm not doing things that scare me, that I'm not growing and I'm not getting to that next level. So like you, I love what you said about saying yes. Just continue to say yes. And don't think that the fear is going to go away because it's not. If it goes away, you're not growing. But just continue to push past it and know that. And this is so cliche, but I'm going to say it. But you've seen it on social media, I'm sure. But everything you want is past your comfort zone. And I mm. promise you, I've lived it. It is the mm. truth. So just just continue to, to stay the course and push past it. Jackie, I'll, I'll give you the same space. Like what, what would you leave with someone that is unfulfilled that needs to push that next level? And then please add anything that you'd like to, to say as we close that, that maybe I, I missed in asking you. Well, you know, I think Shelly did a great job of sharing to finding the things that, that matter to you and how you define success. The, the thing that I would just add is what's more important to you than that fear what's more important to you than what's hard and for me <clears throat> i remember 
probably a year ago. And, and since then, this is, this has been said many times. One of the things that my grandmother told me when I was growing up is I can learn, no matter who you are, I can learn something from you and you can learn something from me. And in a meeting with probably a hundred leaders nationwide, someone quoted my grandmother who didn't finish school, right? And, and raised her kids and it really mattered to me that my grandmother was quoted in this in this very important business meeting right and and that to me was my purpose and and that to me mattered more than what was hard or what i was afraid of and so figure out for yourself what matters more than the fear? What matters more than the hard? Because then you'll be able to continue to say yes. Mm. Mike, I'll, I'll ask the, the same thing. Like what words of wisdom, what, what would you leave our audience with, right? As they're pushing through the things that they need to wear that fearless mantle, right? Even if you only wear it for a moment or for 20 minutes, right? What advice would you give those folks that need to overcome to, to hit their next level like you all have? For me, you know, we all have unique experiences. I think for me, me prioritization. I mean, if you, I always, I always was raised to think that money was everything. I, I, I wasn't raised. My parents would kill me if I said that, but I was, I felt that way probably because of my circumstances that I wanted to be more comfortable and not. And so I was always so driven and driven, driven and driven. And I didn't realize along the way that I wasn't growing as a person. I was still very immature professionally, extremely immature professionally. I think for me is, is, it's, it's putting yourself in perspective. It was for me. And I don't know if everyone can do that. I think sometimes you have to go through something traumatic to, to recognize what has occurred or where he, what path you have gone down, maybe astray. But I didn't lose everything like you, Shelly. And, and I have incredible respect for you. Wow. I'm just blown away by that. But I, I almost did. I mean, I, I, I lost a lot. I almost lost people that meant the most to me, which was more than any financial thing that could ever matter. And so when you're faced with that, you, you have to um, realize that the accountability really, you always hear those things like, where does the accountability fall? And it's like so easy to be like, well, you did it too. You know, and it's like, for me, it was accepting everything that I had done and been through and people that I affected. And, and when I, when I sensed that I could see the purpose for me, I could see that I had to put people first, like it, like really put people and not just like, like, I've always cared about my clients. I've always deeply cared about people I worked with, but I didn't really express it in a way that, that was meaningful. I, I, I took my title and my growth probably for granted at a, at a young age. And now my feeling is what matters to me, and it really is the people in your life. It's not the fancies. I mean, they're, it's the people. It's the people on this call that I care deeply about. It's my children that are in the other room. It's my parents. It's, it's my clients, my friends. It's, it's, that's really, at the end of the day, if you can build a, a career around doing good, and I know that sounds, maybe that does sound cliche, maybe it doesn't, but doing something every day that matters to you personally, 
And I'm trying to teach my kids that now. And it's so difficult with social media and all this stuff. But pick a path that you're excited about every single day. And if you do that, everything else, I think, will come if you believe in yourself. I do believe everything will come. And I mean, that that's all I can think of. I mean, it's probably not as eloquent, but it's no, it's important good. to stay focused on what matters. I think all of you have said in different ways, but powerful ways, right? That ability to be selfless is something where you can get lasting joy, right? And that doesn't mean that you don't take care of you or your family. It means in addition to, you do have the capacity to think about others. And, you know, the thing that I would end with, and, and again, I'm, I'm really excited about this, this chat and in this timestamp and seeing where you all are in the next couple of years with all the big things in store. The thing that I would say to folks that are working through kind of what's next for them and, and how to overcome is that I never wanted to leave without every option pursued. That doesn't mean I can do or chase every job or dream, but if I'm in a business, why would I go half-hearted at something when I don't know what the results would be if I gave everything that I've got? And if I give everything that I've got, even if I'm afraid, even if the odds are against me, man, maybe something fantastic could happen. And the big thing that I would find that I do a little different than most is even when I felt alone, you have to realize there are people that want to and are willing to help you. It's really our egos that keep us from asking for that help. And we have to ask ourselves, are we alone on purpose? Because we haven't allowed ourselves to ask those people that are out there that are willing to help us meet our goals and dreams. And that was a fight for me, right? That was my, you know, when I was down a little bit and maybe not as far along as I wanted, that ego of asking for advice, that ego of asking somebody to support a new idea. And once you manage that, it's kind of amazing, right? How many doors open for people that share a similar dream, share a similar story, a similar perspective on what you want to do, and you all can work together to get there. And I say that because that's how I found each of you, is I don't close my mind to finding people that we can grow together and our goals may not be exactly the same, but they're close enough where we can both get some things that we want while we're doing something amazing. And anything I've ever been able to do successfully has been because finding great folks that we can share the stage together. And the stage, you know, is big enough for others. And the one thing that I tell leaders all the time is if you have a dream that only I can do, then your dream is really small and you should go off by yourself and do that. If you have a really big dream, you need some great big dreamers with you. And I choose to have a really, really big dream that includes folks like yourself. And we shape it, right, to meet the needs of ourselves, our families, but also things that you all are doing every day to help others. And with the diversity movement, with Abler, and the example you are setting, you are the best of us. And I wish there were more and more leaders in our country that had the thoughtfulness and the openness that you all do, but we're doing our best. And we are each and every day doing a little bit to kind of push the needle. So thank you all. And uh, DT, over and out, thank you so much for spending this space with us. Thanks, DT. Thanks, Don.